Let's just take a moment, and I just want to extend that time of prayer. So still and quiet ourselves. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. Take a breath. And I want you to simply imagine that you are in the presence of God. God with us. God within us. God within the one sitting beside me. God within the one here that I've yet to meet. God within my neighbor. God within the stranger I will encounter on my way home. God with us. Take a deep inhale. And then let it go. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. A few weeks ago, in passing, really, Jeremiah mentioned that we need to find a way to fit at least one sermon about prayer into this discipleship series. And I agreed with this and then quickly thought, ooh, I'll take that one. I will take that topic. I would love to do a sermon about prayer. And I have to tell you, I almost immediately regretted that decision. <laughs> because these past few weeks, as I've pondered a direction for this sermon, I have come to see what I think most of us already know, and which, which is that prayer is a giant topic. There are so many things to say about prayer. There are so many things I want to say about prayer. And so finding a way into this conversation, particular, particularly within this wider conversation that we've been having around discipleship, has not been a cakewalk. But I have tried to carry this one faithfully, and I will do my best this morning to offer what I've sensed and what I hope will be useful for us this morning. So I would like to try to do three things, three things this morning. The first thing I want to do is I want to offer us some shared language. I want to give us some shared language that we might use to better understand what prayer is and what prayer can be in our lives as disciples. So we're going to start there. I want to also invite us to reflect on our own lives of prayer. I'm going to make a little space and, and invite a few questions for you to just reflect on your life of prayer today, what it's like, how you pray, what impact you see prayer having on your life. I'm going to ask you to think a little bit about your prayer life over time as well, how it's maybe changed or evolved. So we're going to get a little curious about our personal prayer lives. And then I want to offer a framework for us. I want to offer a prayer framework one that's been really helpful for me, especially these past few years, as I've sought to deepen my experience of God in prayer and my relationship with God through prayer. So that's where we're headed this morning. So let me start by grounding our conversation, as I said, in some shared language. John, if you want to go ahead and throw that slide up there. Prayer, as I understand it, is coming to awareness before God, recognizing God as the source of all life, surrendering to God's unfailing love and then responding in faithful obedience that flows out of devotion. Okay? Coming to awareness before God, recognizing God as the source of all life, surrendering to God's unfailing love, and then responding from that place of devotion in faithful obedience. All right? How is that as an attempt to give some simple definitions? Let me break that down just a little bit. We begin praying by coming to awareness before God. So when we pray, 
We become aware of God, we become aware of ourselves, and we become aware of the relationship that exists between. This is where we start. We then come to recognize God as the source of all life. So when we pray, we acknowledge God foremost as our creator, creator of the universe, creator of the cosmos. We also recognize God as our strengthener, our sustainer, and ultimately our savior. This begins to happen when we pray. And as we go deeper, we begin surrendering to or more fully absorbing, is another way to say that, God's love. When we pray, we start to see that to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is also to be on the receiving end of that love. Through prayer, we learn to absorb this love that never changes, that never fails us, that is always there just waiting for us to reach out and grab it. And it's from that place of receiving, receiving God's love, this place of surrender and openness to the possibility that God loves us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've left undone, no matter what's happened to us, so when we recognize and receive that love, that is how we come to respond in faithful obedience to the call or the many calls that God has on our lives as disciples, okay? So all of this, all of this in my little mind is happening when we pray. And now this is not an end-all, be-all definition. I would hesitate to even call it a definition. There are as many ways to define prayer as there are ways to actually pray. And coming up with the perfect definition, I don't think is actually all that helpful. Um, what I'm offering there, though, this morning is merely some shared language some language so that hopefully we can come into this conversation from the same starting point and really explore the various facets of what prayer is, what prayer can be, and what difference prayer makes in our lives as disciples. All right, so we'll use that language as an anchor, and John, I think, just go ahead and keep that up throughout the sermon. We'll, we'll reference that again, okay? Before we go any further, I want to give you a moment to just reflect on your own prayer life. Now, as a disclaimer, this is not made, in, uh, my, my, my goal here is not to make anyone feel guilty. If you're sitting out there and thinking, what is a prayer life? I, I don't mean to make anyone feel guilty. I just want us to, to look with honesty and openness at our lives of prayer, what they look like. All right? So let me prompt you with just a few questions, and I'm just going to ask you to quietly reflect. How do you pray now? What does that look like? What impact do you see prayer having on your life today? Can you point to any ways that praying has had an impact on how you show up in the world, how you interact with other people? How did you used to pray? Can you think of your childhood prayers? What praying was like when you were a kid or in your teens? 20s, 30s, and so forth. I'll, just, I'll give you just a moment to reflect on those questions. What do you notice? Can you see any ways that your prayer has evolved or changed over time? If you had to describe your prayer life, in a word or a phrase, what would you say? 
Does anyone want to share? Anyone feeling brave this morning? How would you describe it? Go ahead, Christy. Nice. Nice. So Christy said an ongoing conversation. Anyone? Who's Mary C, what'd you say? Resting. Okay, Mary C, resting. Resting in God. Okay. Charlotte, one more time. Growing. Is that what you said? Continually. Very good. Okay. Great. Thank you, Charlotte. All right. Well, this week I've been pondering those same questions. I've been looking back over my life of prayer, actually having a great deal of fun um, doing so. And let me share just briefly some of what I've noticed, hoping, of course, as always, that there's connection points in here for you. Uh, When I was a kid, five or six years old, let's say, I said a prayer before bed every night. It went like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep, and if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. Amen. Did anyone else say that prayer or something similar, right? It's a bit intense. We won't go down that rabbit trail today, but okay. So at the same time in my life, about that same time when I was a kid, we would gather around the family dinner table, mom, dad, older brother, and me, and we said a prayer before we ate. We called it saying grace. And our family's prayer went like this, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this food, by his hands we all are fed, give us Lord our daily bread, amen. Did anyone say that prayer or do something similar? Okay, all right, right, so at that age, at that age, at that stage in our faith formation, what are we really doing? What are we really doing when we pray? I might suggest that we're coming to awareness before God, recognizing God as the source of all life. Our little selves, even with those recited, sing-songy prayers, we are learning how to put ourselves before God and acknowledge God as our creator. That's what we're doing, even if we wouldn't use language like that to describe it, right, when we're small. Before we've cracked our Bibles, before we've accepted Jesus into our hearts, before we've been confirmed, baptized, or, or said yes to Jesus in any other way, prayer is our pathway towards awareness of self in relationship with God, our creator. I think that's pretty powerful. I think that's incredibly powerful. In those little prayers, I was saying, we are saying at that age, without literally saying it, I believe there is a God who hears me when I call, and I believe that this God takes care of me. I believe God is my sustainer, my protector, my provider. That's big stuff to recognize at such a young age. That's major stuff to recognize at a young age, good stuff, in the early phases of our discipleship. So what were your prayers like when you were a kid? I know we have many parents in here who have young children. What do their prayers sound like? How do they pray now? And can you see any ways that your earliest prayers or your children's earliest prayers now are helping us to attune to God, helping us to orient our whole selves to this God and recognize God for who God is. Right Before you knew any theology, knew any Greek, knew anything about what it meant to live a Christian life before any of that, how is prayer helping you deepen your relationship with God?
I think it's sort of fun to think about. I find these things fun to think about. <laughs> when I got a little older, teenage years, college age, 20s, the way I prayed was very different than how I prayed at age five or six. Right? I no longer sang songs or prayed before bed. At that age, at that stage in my faith, my prayers were mainly cries for help. I tended to only pray when I needed something. Can anyone relate to that? Right? My prayers were more like this, God, can you fix this? God, can you fix me? God, can you change her? God, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Help me. This is the tenor of my prayer at that time. Maybe that's how you pray now. I still pray that way sometimes. This is solidarity with the psalmists, I think. But again, I want us to consider at that age, at that stage in our faith formation, teens, college age, early 20s, what are we really doing? What are we doing when we have those kind of prayers? I think my 22-year-old self, even though she was not actively pursuing a relationship with Christ, was still coming to awareness before God, recognizing God as the source of all life. Something in me knew that. God was a source of strength, a source of help, a source of saving in some way. Before I felt called to make Jesus the center of my life, before I got curious about rooting into any kind of faith community, well before I ever could have imagined helping lead that community in some way, prayer was a pathway towards awareness of self in relationship with God, the one I understood to be my creator. Again, powerful. Prayer, that's powerful to me. So how did prayer at that stage of life or at that uh, stage of faith formation, how did it look for you? Some of you are at that point now, teens, college age, early 20s. What do you see in the ways that you pray? Part of why I'm sharing these little examples and why I'm asking you to reflect on your own life of prayer is because I think this kind of examination is important to our growth as disciples. It's good for us to, na to, to name the ways that we've developed, right? Sometimes we just move through life. Life just kind of happens to us. And we don't quite take the time to recognize how we're growing, how we're changing, how our relationship with God is deepening, how our spiritual lives are forming, and so looking back, making note of the changes, making note of the transformation, I find this can be really encouraging on this long, obedient journey of faith that we're walking. We need that sometimes. We need to name the ways that we are developing. And I think we also need to identify the people who have helped us get there, who have helped us develop. Jeremiah, Marty have been talking about those relationships that are important to our discipleship. We need to look at that too. Sometimes looking back over a span of time can be convicting. We might look back and say, oh, wow, I used to have a prayer life. <laughs> now I don't. Right? That might sting a little bit, but that's useful. That's useful because when we become aware, we can make a move from that place. We can change. We can start to move a different direction. So I just want to encourage you this week to, to take a look. Reflect on your life of prayer, how it's changed, how you've changed, who taught you how to pray. How has praying impacted you and the way that you live and relate to the world around you? And let me offer one more reason why I think this kind of reflection is important. When we can see the ways that we've developed over time, 
and our own personal walks with Jesus. I think this helps us have more room for people who are in different stages on that journey. So recognizing where we've been, where we've come from, who's helped us get there, this helps birth compassion in us. It helps birth compassion. And compassion is a really important part of a disciple's life. I tend to think compassion is the fruit of prayer. We can study a lot of theology. We can read our Bibles. We can come to church. We can memorize scripture. And we can do, frankly, a whole lot more Christian activity and still not become compassionate people. Does anybody see that in our world? One of the marks of a disciple, a disciple attached to Jesus, will be compassion. Prayer can be a pathway to that, a pathway to compassion. So, reflecting on how we've developed, honoring the length of that process, the time maturing takes, I think that helps us make room for others to be in process too, and have grace for ourselves as we too are in that process. All right, I mentioned that I wanted to offer a prayer framework this morning, so with the time, time that we have left, let me move in that direction. Uh, in the past three, maybe four years, I have noticed ways that my prayer life is evolving again. And I suppose we maybe get to a certain age or a certain stage in our faith formation, and we recognize that the demands of life, the challenges of life, the things we're called to carry, the ways we're called to love, all of that requires practices and prayer that is designed to stand up to and move us through the rockier terrain that this life following Jesus often moves us through. We get to a certain point on the journey and we recognize the way that we've practiced prayer up until a certain point all of a sudden leaves us wanting. It's not quite cutting it. We're going through the motions of prayer, but something feels stuck. Prayer has become dull. Prayer is just dry for us, right? We find ourselves thirsting for something deeper. Has anyone been there? Maybe someone's there now. Okay, this is a natural part of our faith process. I reached that point a few years ago and so needed to take a closer look both at how I was praying and the amount of time I was giving to prayer to discover what kind of shift needed to happen. And I should say I, I didn't do that by myself. I needed help doing that. Someone had to help me see and do that with me. Um, and the practice that I was introduced to is what I want to share with you today. Um, here's the framework. John will go ahead and put that second slide up there. All right, here's the framework, and I'm just going to move through this with you and just make a couple comments here as we go. Um, this is a prayer practice that is designed to be adaptable. That's one of the reasons I like it, and that's one of the reasons I return to it time and time again. You can spend a lot of time working through this kind of prayer. I would say at minimum you want 15 to 20 minutes or so to let this mode of prayer do its work on you. Um, so here it is. I like to think about this prayer as a five-layer cake, whereby we start on the frosting layer and just move ourselves, move the fork right through, okay? So keep that, if that's a helpful metaphor for you, you can keep that in your mind. All right, so the, when we approach this kind of prayer, the first thing we do is we recognize, we come to recognize that we are in the loving presence of God. All right, we always start there. This is our moment to set aside whatever else might be absorbing our attention whatever might be distracting us, so that we can focus the best that we can on the God we believe dwells with and within us. This alone, practicing the presence of God, takes practice. We are a distracted people. Can I get an amen? 
We all suffer from chronic monkey mind. The brain is just going all of the time. It's very difficult to get quiet and still long enough to recognize we are in God's presence. It's challenging. So we need to practice it, and we need to have a lot of grace for ourselves, and we need to explore different ways to do this. It looks different for everybody. For me, when I'm engaging in this kind of prayer, trying to attune myself to God's presence, I have to sit in the same spot. BJ can attest to this. I have to sit in the same spot, I light a candle because I have to remember that I'm not alone, that God is with me, and I usually hold something in my hand. This time of the season, I hold a buckeye because I think it's just such a delightful little object. And I put some up here if you want to take them. You're welcome to. Right, so that's, for me, that's what I have to do to get centered. I know for others, sitting still does not work. People need to be digging in the dirt, walking or moving their body in some way. That works too. I spoke with someone this, uh, this week who uses prayer beads. That's their way of centering. I spoke to another person this week who puts a blanket around them to remind themselves of the warmth and presence of God. Right? So you have to kind of play around and experiment and try various ways to try to get your, your mind still enough to remember that you're in the presence of God. Okay? So you start there. You start there. And then you move from there. You move into that second level. All right? You ask yourself, how am I coming to this time? What's my heart, my head, my body, my spirit telling me? And this is where we get in touch, of what, uh, in touch with what's really going on in us. DJ and Emily and I, we share a meal once a week, and the question that guides our time is simply this, what are you going through? What are you going through? Because the intention of our weekly meals is to get real with one another. And that's what you're trying to do here as well. You're trying to be who you truly are in front of a God who knows the true you anyway. All right? So you ask yourself, how am I coming to this time? What am I feeling? I, for one, have a hard time naming sometimes exactly what I'm feeling. Do you remember those, like in grade school, there'd be like a feeling wheel or like the poster that has all the faces on it? I feel like I need one of those all the time. Like I just, I don't know what I'm feeling. So it takes me a long time and a lot of listening, paying attention to my body, my gut, my head, my heart. What am I feeling? All right? So we pay attention to what we're going through. This is all part of coming to awareness before our creator. And then we keep going a little bit deeper. We've acknowledged God's presence. We've honored ourselves by paying attention to what's stirring in our hearts. And then we pay attention to longing. We consider what we're longing or hoping for from God in this time of prayer. This is our moment to get in touch with a deeper part of ourselves. Longing, or desire, if you prefer that word, is different, in my opinion, than merely want. Okay? I want so-and-so to give me attention because I long for human connection. Right? I want a new job with a higher salary attached to it because I long for security. Right? I want those new wide-legged Levi jeans with the holes pre-cut in them because I long to fit in. I long to belong. I want to feel part of something. Do you see what I mean? See the, the difference there? So when we come before God and with God, try to get below the surface, more in touch with the longings and hopes of our souls, it can open our eyes to something we didn't even know was there, a thirst that we hadn't even recognized, that we didn't know was in us. Let me give you one more example. I have come to prayer angry 
with anger directed at a particular person who did a particular thing that just bristled me to the core, right? And as I come to prayer and I sit with that and I look closer at what I'm really feeling, what's underneath the anger, I am often surprised by what I find. It might be, this is just an example, but it might be that this person who hurt me is someone I actually really admire, someone that I have a lot of respect for. And I want to know them, and I want them to know me. And now, their passing comment that cut me somehow or bruised me in some way has created a barrier between us. There is a fissure there. And so the feeling underneath the anger is actually disappointment or sadness that there's been a tear in our relationship. And the longing, the desire at the base of that disappointment or sadness is I long to be connected to this person. I long for there to be wholeness between us. I long for there to be wholeness in all my relationships. I long for there to be wholeness across the entirety of the world's relationships. That's a God longing. Do you see? God is in the business of reconciling all things together, making all things new, making all things whole, making all things one. And so when I recognize and notice that there's a longing that often sits beneath the surface of the emotion, this can attune us even more to the God that dwells deep in us. And it might, it might just help us see the other or others or a situation with new eyes, with a fresh perspective. Prayer helps us get there. Prayer helps us get there. All right, you keep moving through this prayer and you get to layer four. This is where you engage the living word of God. If you're doing some kind of Bible reading plan, you could just read the passage for the day. You could use the lectionary passage for the day. There may be some scripture that's just swimming in your heart. You could go to that text. Maybe it's a text from last Sunday's sermon. Doesn't necessarily matter. The, the, the goal here is not to really rigorously study the scripture. There's a time and place for that. This is a way of engaging scripture and allowing it to read you. Right? So we pay attention to what words seem to leap off the page. We get curious about any ways the scripture is speaking to us, any aha moments, any insights. Right? Do we feel peace? Do we feel moved? Do we feel convicted in some way as we engage the word of God? So we just do that and we just take note of it. All right, and then finally you move to that fifth level where we engage in a dialogue with God. Christy said an ongoing conversation. That's what you're doing here. We take note of everything we've just uncovered, the hopes, the longings, the emotions, the feelings, the consolations, the desolations, what we've experienced or found by reading scripture, and we gently, calmly say, God, what do you want to show me? What do you want to say to me? And then we just listen. We just listen. So those are the stages of this prayer. This, of course, is just one way to pray, one way to pray among many. Developing a deeper relationship with God through prayer takes time. It takes time. It takes practice. There's room to experiment, to mess around, to play as you're engaging and trying to figure out the best mode of prayer for the season of life that you're in. I just want to encourage you to share what you're discovering with others, to normalize conversations about prayer, not just about the value of, a, of prayer in a disciple's life, but actually talk about how you pray, 
it can be very insightful and helpful for us to talk about that together as a community. So by way of close here, prayer, no matter how we practice it, is designed for communion with the living God. It is intended to help us remember in a very real, embodied way that God is the source of all life. God is our sustainer, our strengthener, our savior, the source of all peace, goodness, beauty, wholeness, grace. John gives us that wonderful image in his gospel of the true vine. He calls us to abide, to abide in the true vine, saying that apart from it, our lives will bear no fruit. Prayer is about abiding, helping us to abide in that life source, to stay rooted in that life source and to live and love from that place. Understanding this, practicing this, has major ramifications on our discipleship and our ability to make disciples. We have to have a way to absorb God's love in order to be able to love. Prayer is one of those ways. A few years ago, someone I think quite wisely said to me, you cannot give what you yourself do not have. They were in effect saying, Megan, if you're not on the receiving end of God's love, how do you expect to minister? How do you expect to share that love with other people? Wisdom. We pray not just to experience that love ourselves. We pray so that that love can flow through us and out into the world. All right, so may each of us find ways to step more and more into the vocation of prayer each and every day. Amen.